Welcome to the RCF Podcast. I'm here once again with Alice, and we're talking today about something that we see as neglected or ignored by the majority of modern Christianity, making disciples. Why are we talking about this? It's important to us as RCF because this is our goal, to help students to know God and to make disciples. I want to start this episode talking about a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. We recently studied this in our Coffee and Scripture times, and it's the parable of the Minas. A similar parable is the parable of the talents, and maybe you're more familiar with that one from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25. But we often misunderstand that parable to mean talent, as in skill, But it's referring to an amount of money, not your talent or skill. In ancient societies, a mina was three months' wages. And it's debated as to exactly how much a talent was, but it was a sum of money. Yeah, and with both parables, here's the basic premise. So the master gives his servants a certain amount of money and expects them to do business with it. Then the master goes away and eventually comes back, and he asks each of the servants to give an account for what they've done with the money that he had given them. So one servant had multiplied that money and now had ten times more than what the master had initially given him, and so the master rewards him. The next servant had multiplied the money five times, and again the master rewards him. And then the third servant comes and tells the master, I didn't do anything with your money because I was afraid of you, so I just tucked it away and here it is. And the master got angry with this third servant and told him that he should have at least put it in the bank to earn interest, but instead he had done nothing with it. So the master called him a wicked servant and cast him out. So why are we sharing this parable? Well, the original hearers of this parable would have understood that God had given them something. He had given them his word, and they were supposed to be a light to the nations and point people to him. But they weren't good stewards. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. And for us, we also have his word. He has given us the gospel. And this is the most important thing that we have. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to ask for an accounting of what we've done with what he has given to us. And we are to have multiplied it. We are to have made disciples. If you've shared the gospel with a bunch of people and now you have 10 believers that are following Jesus, then you've done well. You have done what was expected of you by the master. One reason that we bring this passage up today is because very often people think that he's talking about talents, as in skills or abilities, or some use it to talk about spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. But if you look at either of those, can you really multiply those? Can you multiply your talent or your spiritual gifts? No, God often does give us more when we steward what we have well, But this parable is about multiplying what we've been given, and we don't multiply our abilities or our gifts. That doesn't make sense in the context of the passage. And even if you really wanted to take it literally and say that Jesus was just talking about money and that we should be multiplying our money, well, if you put that in the greater context of the surrounding passages, Jesus was pretty harsh about wealth and about putting your focus there. So yes, while we are supposed to be good stewards of our money, that's not the point of this parable either. He's saying, be faithful. 
And I think a great way to understand these parables is to understand the talent or the mina as representative of the gospel, which we are to go share with others and make disciples. So as we think about this, many of us struggle with what is our purpose? Does my life matter? We want our lives to count for something. Well, if we want our lives to count, here's how we can do that. To be faithful and to do what God has called us to do. But we don't want to just do it out of duty, right? We don't want to be making disciples simply out of obligation. That's not what God calls us to do. But instead, we should do it from the motivation of the gospel has impacted our life. Jesus has impacted our life. He has shown us so much grace. Why would we not want to tell other people about it? Mm. Why would we not want them to know God in the way that we know him in a very real and life-changing way? Yeah. And why would we not want them to have that same fulfillment in life, investing what God has given into others? So understand that we don't make disciples merely out of duty. When we read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That shouldn't be a burden to us. Mm. We need to recognize what a gift this is that God has given to us, this good news of the gospel. And when we view it as a good gift, we will want our family and friends and neighbors to have it as well. Yeah, Matthew 28 is the one Great Commission passage that most people tend to be the most familiar with. But there are actually other passages in the Gospels, as well as the book of Acts, that convey this same idea. Mark 16, 15, we have Luke 24, verses 46 through 47, we have Acts 1, 8. Each of these passages talk to us about passing on the Gospel to other people. This was the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. If you're going to give your final instructions to your followers, you're going to tell them what's most important, right? So knowing that this is what Jesus left his followers with, this instruction to make disciples, it must be of utmost importance. Definitely. So what is the barrier to making disciples? If this is so important and prominent in Scripture, why is it so largely neglected among professing Christians today? I think it's often neglected because we don't know how. Many people don't feel equipped to share the gospel or to share their faith with somebody. Or, as I've heard others observe, we too often know how, but we don't have a plan in place to actually make disciples. It's not just something that you do spontaneously. (laughs) Right. And I think many people are also waiting for the right feeling or they're waiting to feel like it's the right moment to share the gospel with somebody. But you don't stumble onto it any more than you stumble onto winning the Super Bowl. Right. And as you just mentioned, many Christians don't understand their purpose. Why are we here? And if we look at 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says that God saved you so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God saved us so that we would be a light for him, so that we would glorify him on this earth by telling the gospel to other people and by teaching them how to know and follow him. So a lot of times we may not make disciples because we aren't recognizing that this is why God has us here. That's why he didn't just save us and take us straight up into heaven. And I also think of Ephesians 2.10, which tells us that we were created for good works. Those good works are advancing the kingdom of God. And how do we advance the kingdom? By bringing more people into the kingdom. 
And how do we do that? By making disciples. But because many Christians don't feel equipped or they don't have a plan in place, they feel intimidated to do that, though. They know what the Great Commission is, but they're confused as to how it practically works. And I think just the way we view church today is probably part of the problem. If you just look at the church growth movement over the past several decades, that movement has given us the idea that it's all about getting people to attend the church or to even serve the church. And therefore, the focus has been about what the church can do to keep them coming back. What we end up with is people in the church who have a wrong idea of what we are to do as a Christian. This is what we do. We make disciples. But this movement in the church has really turned congregations into spectator Christians. Yeah, and even if people do serve, they end up just serving the church. People end up either setting up the stage or preparing the coffee or whatever, which is fine. But that's not really the ministry that we're ultimately called to do. Right. You can't just make the coffee for Sunday mornings and say, I've done my job. That's not ultimately the good works that you've been called to. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 12 that talks about God gave us people with gifts to serve the church. And he says it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That's what the church should be doing. And I believe that is what we're not seeing. And it's caused confusion among Christians as to what we should be doing. And therefore, we're not seeing the normal Christian life being a life of disciple-making. We're instead seeing people just being entertained or people merely serving in the church. That reminds me of a book that I've just been reading called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. He says, The costly principles of leadership development and reproduction seem to have been submerged beneath the easier strategy of mass recruitment, which is what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, Jesus's plan has not been disavowed. It has just been ignored. It has been something to remember in venerating the past, but not something to be taken seriously as a rule of conduct for the present, end quote. And that's a problem. They've shifted their focus to a more temporary view of, like he said, mass recruitment, as opposed to the longer term view of investing in people and teaching people to invest in others. That's harder work in a lot of ways, and it takes a lot longer, but ultimately that's going to have a better result in the end. And also, that was Jesus' plan. That was God's plan from the beginning, and that was what Jesus conveyed just before he ascended into heaven. This is how the church was supposed to have been built. Yeah, there's become this idea that the church is to be like a hospital. The church would be better compared to a medical school than a hospital in the sense that it should be equipping Christians to go out and help others, addressing their greatest need, which is their spiritual need, the need for the gospel. The church is to be that equipping center rather than merely being the hospital itself. And I say all that to make the point that many Christians aren't making disciples today because they aren't seeing it being done. It isn't being modeled for them, even in the church, which should be the very place that's the most fired up about it and modeling it for you to see. So again, that's why many people may be hesitant to engage in disciple making. They've not been discipled themselves, so they don't feel equipped and they don't have a plan to implement. This is what we really want to highlight here is, in light of that, how do we make disciples? Well, it definitely has to start with a changed heart and a changed life. You're not actually going to make healthy disciples 
unless Christ has first and foremost changed you. Whether you've been a Christian for a day or for 50 years or whatever, your calling is to make disciples. If your heart has been changed by God, then you can go and show someone else how to know God and how to follow him. That's what discipleship is. Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we're to be teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. Mm -hmm. Can you show someone else, even if you've only been a Christian for a short amount of time, can you help them take the next steps in their walk with Jesus? Can you help them learn to obey God's commands? And one of those commands is the Great Commission itself. Can you show them that? So if someone is a true believer in Christ and their life has been changed, they should be able to help someone else, at least with those first steps. Yeah, and the other thing to know is that it's not just something you have to do by yourself. Mm. You're not alone in this. You have other believers who can come alongside you and help you. I mean, we even see that when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two. Yeah, the healthiest way to make disciples is to find a team of people who can work together. Because isn't it a lot easier to reach somebody and to help them grow if you have other friends or friends and family or other people with you who have the same goal and they're also pouring into that same person's life and they're helping that person? That's so helpful because maybe the person you are discipling has questions that you, who've been a Christian for a short time, don't know the answer to. But this other person, perhaps someone who's discipling you and who's been a Christian for a long time, they do know the answer and they can help both of you. So that's much easier and I think that's the way God designed it. That it's not all on your shoulders. So you need a team of people around you who are focused on God and obeying his command to go make disciples. Absolutely. I think of the Apostle Paul and in his letters in the New Testament where he's always just listing a bunch of names at the end of his greetings. That was his team. Paul wasn't just going out on his own and conquering the world for Jesus. No, he had co-laborers who were coming along with him, and he was training some of them up, like Timothy, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, so find at least someone else who's doing this. Find someone who is making disciples, who has a fruitful ministry of disciple-making. And I'm not saying it has to look like an official thing, like they have a ministry with a name and such. They may just be a person from your church. They're not on staff. They're not in vocational ministry, but they're faithfully discipling others. Go to them and learn from them. Ask them, hey, can you teach me how to do the same thing? Find those people, but also in light of what we said previously, know that this type of person will not be easy to find. Just because someone is older, it doesn't make them wise, and it doesn't mean they should mentor you. Because if they're older and unfruitful in their faith, or they've never made any disciples or been discipled by anyone themselves, they may not be the right person to help you become a disciple maker. We've met so many people in our lives who, as we're looking for Christians to help us become better disciple makers, many people who are older than us will look at us and say, I don't know how to help you. Because they've never done that. Look for someone in who you see the disciple making fruit in their life. And hopefully that person's in your church. Or if there's a ministry like RCF, that's exactly what we're seeking to do. We're trying to model that for students and even for the local churches. Again, going back to the Master Plan of Evangelism book, Robert Coleman says, What really counts in the ultimate perpetuation of our work is the faithfulness with which our converts go make leaders out of their converts, not simply more followers. It's not just enough to make converts. 
We need to come alongside them and help build them up in the faith so that they can come along and be co-laborers with us. Yeah, and that's the idea that we're talking about with the Apostle Paul. He was raising up others to go and lead. You see where he went on his missionary journeys and he discipled people, and then he left. He left them there to lead the church. So the idea is that we need to invest in people to the point where they are able to go and do this themselves. And since we're primarily talking to you guys as college students, we understand that it's going to look different than the Apostle Paul's ministry for sure. But you can help someone else take those next steps. You can help someone learn how to know God and to make disciples. But you need to be a disciple yourself in order to be a disciple maker. So I just want to encourage you to make that investment. Recognize the value of discipleship and invest in someone else in that same way. I believe this is the best thing you could be doing during your college years and even beyond. I know that in a previous podcast, I mentioned that if you invested in one other person each year, and you equip them, and you help them learn how to make disciples, then think about the multiplication that happens. If you're doing that each year, and then each person who you disciple turns around and goes and makes disciples who make disciples, if all of you are faithful, and that's the ideal situation, right? But after 12 years, if all of you are doing that, then there would be over 4,000 not only believers, but disciple makers out there, which would be amazing. That's what we want to see happening in our lives because that's what God wants. He wants us to be fruitful Christians, just like in the parable of the minas or the parable of the talents, the ones to whom the master comes back and says, I entrusted you with one, but now there are 10 of you or a hundred of you. Well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to be the ones who the master comes back and finds us saying, I have the gospel, but I've kept it hidden away. We want Jesus to come back and see us laboring side by side with 10 or 100 or 4,000 others. And that starts here and now, even while you're at college. That's right. You don't have to wait. A lot of times people think, oh, well, when I know more, then I'll be able to disciple others. Or when I get finished with college and I have more time... But if you start learning and implementing these principles now, then when you get out of college, you're going to be equipped in some really amazing ways to then go forth and maybe you find people in your workplace who you can share the gospel with and come alongside. Or maybe it's within your church. Maybe you move someplace else and you find a new church and you start looking for who are those people in the church who I can come alongside and really pour into and dedicate some time to help train and equip them to be doing the same thing. Right, because you may find that people in the church aren't doing this. And so you may, as a college student or a recent graduate, having gotten experience in disciple making in college, you may be able to turn around and make a difference and create change in the church culture so that it moves from people just sitting in the seats to actually going and making disciples. So you may help create that change if you've already been doing that here. You have an opportunity now to be faithful. So I've quoted a couple of times from the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism on this podcast, and I highly recommend this book, especially if you've never seen this modeled or you have no experience with discipleship. It's a quick and easy read, and it basically just looks at how Jesus made disciples. I think this book is a great starting point if you're wanting to start making disciples and have never seen it done. Aside from scripture, of course, but yes, that is a good quick read that will challenge you. 
And we've talked very generally about making disciples so far on this episode, so there's a lot more to be said about how we can specifically go about disciple-making, maybe some pitfalls to watch out for and so on, but we'll save that for a future episode. I just want to leave you with the thought that making disciples can and should be not just challenging, but it should be a blessing to your life. As you're helping someone else to grow in their knowledge of God and how to follow Him, it's going to end up stretching you, and it's going to help you grow as well. It's one way that God helps us to think less about ourselves and more about others. As you strive to live a godly life, you're going to want to model godly living for others. That's the way God designed it. Let's be faithful stewards and carry out the mission that God has given us, making disciples of all nations. Amen. Alice, thanks for your time today, and thank you all for listening to the RCF podcast. If you have questions for us, you can always email us, podcast at roadiefellowship.com. And to find more info on Rody Christian Fellowship, visit our website, roadiefellowship.com, or our Instagram page, at roadiefellowship.